five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Podcast on the internet. I have to laugh at that video. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I have to say. That was a pretty funny video. By the way, I have never heard that song before. I've never seen that video before. Um, but I'm familiar with the band. And uh, that is Chicken Foot. It's the name of the band. Of course, it's kind of a bit of a corporate rock deal. You've got uh, Sammy Hagar on lead vocals. I've always dug Sammy. I was a big Montrose fan growing up. The first two Montrose records I thought are, I think are brilliant. Ten, Ted, Ted Templeman at the dials. Uh, and then when he split off and just became Sammy Hagar, I was... I was a big fan. Nine on a 10 scale, red, standing Hampton. Saw Sammy perform live one night, New Year's Eve at the Cow Palace. It was epic. The Red Rocker. And uh, Sammy has gone through a number of iterations. Changes, of course, the uh, singer of uh, Van Halen. What do they call it? Van Hagar. I think the the Sammy Hagar version of Van Halen was called Van Hagar. I think they actually sold more records. Don't quote me on this. But I think they may have sold more records with Sammy Hagar as the lead vocalist of Van Halen. Anyway, that was Chicken Foot. I was looking for a song today to hug the theme, the chicken and the egg. And I knew the chicken foot had some tunes, right? So when I saw that, I mean, I just had to see like five seconds of the video. I'm like, I don't know what this song sounds like, but I'm playing it. Because in a weird way, it fits. And how many videos are you going to see an epic knockdown, drag out battle between Chicken Man and Bigfoot? And not too many. That might be the only one. With Chicken Man coming out on top, Chicken Man was not a good, good person in that video. He has kind of a falling down day. But at the end of it all, he sees his vision of beauty. The progenitor 
of his potential eggs. And just as they lock eyes, just as they have that moment of destiny after chicken man has gone through a very uh, frustrating and self-destructive day. The video ends up with him getting hit by a van trying to cross the Golden Gate Bridge. The song itself is okay. But the video is actually really entertaining. I have to say, it was an entertaining video. That was kind of a super group. Sammy Hagar, uh, Michael Anthony, another refugee from Van Hagar on bass. They're buddies. And then Joe Satriani surfing with the alien on guitar. And I'm not sure if that was Chad Smith, but Chad Smith played drums with chicken foot. Chad Smith, of course, a sometime member of the red hot chili peppers looking a lot like Will Ferrell. Anyway, we're going to get into the chicken and the egg today. That's part of the theme for today's show. And interesting revelations about what's going on with uh, the poultry world. So I'm going to talk a little more about that and try to connect it up a little bit here with um, Edward Bernays. And looking at what's happening with eggs, the price of eggs, the shortage of eggs, uh, not just from a nutritional perspective because even vegetarians eat eggs at least according to jeff beck because jeff beck was an egg eater but there's more to the egg than that far more to the egg than an agreeable source of protein that both carnivores and uh, uh vegivores agree upon you know, the egg between vegetarians and carnivores is the center point of the vesica Pisces, right? That's the egg right there in the center. See that? How come nobody does this as a as a sign? It could be our new sign. Let's see if we can make it better. How can we yeah, right there? Look at that. Yeah. Vesica Pisces, baby. That looks like some secret society shit right there. Doesn't it? Look at that. Who else is doing this? Flash it. Vesica Pisces. Right there. Got to work on that. Anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're talking about eggs. I love eggs. I love eggs. Oh, yes. Thank you, John Waters, for that. All right. Let's get into um, the sponsor of the day. We're coming off a really crisp astro weather this morning. If you've jumped over from the old YouTube channel, welcome. Thanks for being here. We have a fun time here. And with Astro Weather, uh, you know, I talk about the sponsor of the show. At the end of the show, 
On this show, we talk about the sponsor of the show at the beginning of the show, just to mix it up a little bit. And if you're on the podcast side of things, you get to use your imagination as I take you into the lush and verdant, deeply atmospheric and healing landing page of true hemp science. And at true hemp science, you will find some of the best organically sourced CBD. It's probably not too far removed from being handcrafted. You know, we're not talking about a major corporation here and tons of employees. This this is really um, a Main Street American story uh, with my buddy Chris, Marsha, and I think they hired somebody else now. I think there are two employees, right? So we're not talking about a major corporate effort. This is really about as grassroots as it gets. Think of shoots of grass sprouting up through the concrete, right? This is what uh, Chris is creating over at True Hemp Science. And it's through his uh, dedication to CBD and the craft of CBD that has allowed him to really dive into it. To me, he's kind of like, you know, the Booker T. Washington of CBD. He's always tinkering. He's always coming up with new formulas. And um, I can't speak highly enough about the ones that I have used and tried. Um, 19 is great. When you look at the uh, various types of uh, CBD, they're numbered. And Chris has told me, he says, I don't know why I choose these numbers. They just come to me. That's okay. We're cool with that. So once you remember a number, you understand, and you, and you try the CBD, you just, you have the number on the top of your head. It's kind of like when you go to a restaurant, um, I'll have number 25. It's a restaurant model. By the way, check out John Levi's uh, latest video where he looks into menus from the old world. It's really interesting. I don't want to get too far off script here, but here's the deal. If you go to truemscience.com forward slash ref forward slash 23, that's truemscience.com forward slash ref ref forward slash 23, an important number 23. And you spend a hundred dollars or more and you drop in one five M I N S when you check out, you get free product, which allows you to sample a number of other things that are on the menu, but you may not necessarily be ordering. Chris is really good about that. Um, and then if you spend $150 or more, you get free shipping. So it's the only sponsor I have. Uh, and until further notice, the only sponsor I will have. And and the reason I I you know, talk about true sciences. I know the person I've known him for years. I've watched him. Like I've watched him bust his ass and overcome a number of challenges, partnerships that have failed, but you know, he's, he just keeps moving forward with this mission. And, and uh, I really respect people that do that. So thank you for being here. 
on today's show. Let me uh, let me jump into uh, Chataria, see what you guys are up to. You know, was that a great song? I don't know, but I really liked that video. I thought that video was hilarious, especially at the end. We got my man, Thomas. What's going on, TJ? Sony, the classy one, central scrutinizer. I'd say this is an existential crisis. Good one. I love it. Erica E is here. Catherine Kramer, double K, double B, back to back. We got the Capricorns. We got the Capricorns in the house. Oh, did you like that birthday song? That was a fun song. <laughs> I, again, I didn't know what to expect. I thought those guys were going to do a mariachi version of the happy birthday song. But they did their own version, and I liked it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. I'm glad that uh, made your day. Uh, there he is, the mayor of Rabbit City, Nicholas Grimm, joining us, listening in. Uh, the fantastic one, C.C. Jones. In those are lovely. Don't they call back in the day? This is not to be dismissive, uh, SP Dimples. Do they still call women birds over in jolly old England? I remember seeing a documentary that Michael Michael Caine hosted about the swinging 60s in London, talking about the birds. And he wasn't referring to the American rock group from Laurel Canyon. Um, just curious, is birds now a dismissive term? Cause over here, you know, we use the word chicks. We use the word chicks. I don't think many people use the word chick anymore. Oh, she's a cool chick. Back in the day, that was, that was like the ultimate compliment. Yeah. She's a cool chick. But you didn't just want a girlfriend. You wanted the cool chick. But for everybody, it was a little bit different. But if you could get the moniker of cool chick, that was, I think, the uh, that that was the target to shoot for, even if you really weren't shooting for it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Julie Sunshine is in a beautiful winter storm up in Michigan. Even my filthy animal neighbor's junkyard of a home looks pretty. A nice dose of snow can cover a lot of imperfection it's the purity factor let's see oh look at that fran liked that tune artemis what's happening rocking the ren fair in the kerrville area if you're in kerrville this weekend if you're in the kerrville area you want to get your renaissance on go check it out and uh say hello to uh lady artemis and Bubba, they'll be there time traveling and uh, showing off their very fine wares. Kylie M. Good morning, Kylie. Rocky's here. The dude in the chicken suit looked like David Palmer at first. Oh, my God. You know, I could see David Palmer dressing up in a chicken suit. I could see David do that. David Palmer can be very self-effacing and very funny. I have this image of David burned into my head. It, I'm not sure if I really want it. 
but it's re- it's a really funny image and you you would have had to have seen it to kind of uh capture the moment so we were all hanging out here after the uh, get together in october and david was sitting at my dining room table and he was sitting in a chair at the far end of the table which is next to this kind of ratty old spiral staircase i mean it's it's really like this makeshift spiral staircase which i hardly ever walking but jasper uses it and jasper was on one of the steps of the spiral staircase and his butt was facing david's face and david stuck david could look like a cartoon character at times like like he has kind of a, a looney tunes kind of face when he wants to be he's a very handsome guy Right. But when he wants to go into caricature mode, David can really hit a caricature. And he and he and he struck this Looney Tunes face pose and he stuck out his tongue in midair like he was licking Jasper's butt. (laughs) That is so fucking weird and funny. I'm like, dude. You may be the Leo King, but in that moment, you were the court jester. That was really good. Uh, Lisa W. What's happening, Lisa? What song is this? I love it. Look at that. Man. All right. The song is Bigfoot by Chickenfoot on Koch Records. Bigfoot by Chickenfoot. I'm glad you dug it. I Again, I've I've never heard that tune before. I just went with it. Um, I dislike Sammy Hagar very much. That is all. <laughs> oh, we can't agree on everything. But you know what? If we did, it'd be a really boring world. Thank God my ears. Uh, let's see. Jeff Rosansky. He dug it. Yuck, Robert. Just yuck. Yuck. <laughs> It was very Van Halen. Well, that it was very Van Halen. You had Mike, Michael Roth in the band. No, uh, Michael Anthony. Sorry, Michael Roth. Thinking of the uh, synthesizer player, Michael Rother. Escape from Northern Wasteland, a very underrated minimalist electronic record from the 70s. Highly recommend it. Cremo, love the screen in the back. Get you some chickens, y'all. Yes. Thor at the door is here. What's going on, Steve, my man? Miss Nakia, man, Miss Nakia, off record. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta break down your Sammy hate. Something sounds personal. Sounds very personal. We're not gonna get into it here. Kelly B is back. Diamond Dave didn't age too well. Hard to watch. Yeah, uh, David Lee Roth. I, I, so I think the first Van Halen record is genius. Savage. Ted Templeman, who produced Montrose, was the warm up for Van Halen. And um, those first two Van Halen records are just searing. And David Lee Roth was kind of the ultimate front man at that time, even though he would get 
too drunk and forget lyrics of his songs. Didn't really matter because he was jumping around and doing, you know, spin kicks and, but he did, he did not age well. And there was that weird time period where he wanted to be like an EMT. Do you remember that? David Lee Roth wanted to be an EMT. I think he was living in Boston or something. It's like, that's just so weird. You want to be an EMT. Very strange. Yeah, he kind of aged out to look like, and, you know, this is no um, slight against old Jewish men, but he kind of aged out to look like an old Jewish guy, which in actuality he is. Kabuki Theater, Chicken Foot, Chicken Foot, Lucky, Lucky Chicken Foot. Um, let's see, Yacht Boy. Why did the chicken cross the road? What I heard was that every Van Halen album sold more than the one before it. That makes sense. I mean, they just kept, they became this mainstream juggernaut. Central Scrutinizer is here. I hear the rooster is a thigh man. Ooh. That was Kenny Aronoff. I wasn't sure if that was Chad Smith. Kenny Aronoff is a really good drummer. Of course, Yacht Boy being a drummer would know these things. Thanks for being the fact checker there. I did make up a new Illuminati sign. Looks like a JJ. There, you know what, Steve? I had the same realization when I was uh, flashing it. <laughs> same realization. The moon dust is kicking in. It's kind of like a Yoni Mudra. Yes. This is a great chat. The Queen is here. All hail the Queen. Good morning, Queen Lisa. Drop some love on Robert and Chataria. Can't stay long. Thanks for dropping by, Debisu. Sprinkling a little that artistic and creative dust over here. I think AI is working overtime on historical memorabilia. Where were all these images a year ago? They're hard to find. Fuck. Man, images are just, they're getting really hard. And I'll tell you what's happening. If you use different browsers, you'll get different images, obviously. I actually prefer using DuckDuckGo for images. In the past, I preferred Google, but DuckDuckGo seems to have more available images, especially with PNGs. But I've talked about this before. You have all of these third parties, like Getty Images, Alami, uh, you, know, you, you know who the players are. So there's a bunch of images that should be theoretically in public domain. I mean, we're talking really old alchemical illustrations from the 1600s. And they're all gobbled up by these third parties. It's like, you got to be kidding me. It's just, it's, you know, I, I look, look, there was a time on the internet where they had the carrot and the carrot was, look at all this free shit. It's all free, free music, free videos, free images, free, 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 free. And it's like, slowly they move the carrot away. And I remember those halcyon days of the internet. The other thing that they're doing now, and this is 
if you do find an image that is not gobbled up by one of these third-party image aggregators that you are being urged to subscribe to so that you can use their images, uh, many websites are embedding the images in their web pages. So if you want to do a drag and drop onto your desktop, what you get is WebBP, and there's nothing there. See, they're getting very, very uh, slick, right? So then if you want to use said image, you have to go to the website, and then you have to do a what? Cut and paste, right? Or a screen grab, screen capture. And many times, that'll work. Now, that said, if said image is, say, part of the New York Times or the Washington Post, and you go there, and you see the image and you're about to, again, it's embedded in the web page and you're about to do a screen grab. All of a sudden the paywall comes up and it's like, okay, well, there we go. I'm not really interested in paying for this article. I just want to use the image. And now the paywall has come up and I can't use So it's getting harder and harder to actually find images. The egg shortage is here too. What's up with that worldwide attack on chickens? Everything is eggs. We're going to get into it. We're going to, we're going to crack the egg here. It's raising chickens is not easy. I looked into it. I, I was going to do it. Um, oh, SP dimples. I, I apologize. I thought you were in England. She says not in England. But to the best of my knowledge, they still do call women birds there. Thank you. I was I was I was looking into uh, raising some chickens last year, and I'm glad I didn't do it because it was hell on earth in this part of the world. Brutal. We were a hundred plus for two and a half months every day, every day, and not only did we have the just excoriating heat we had these sirocco winds that would come in and just blow everything away it was that was a hard hard summer last year people's gardens didn't produce they died the only thing that i was actually able to grow here was peppers it was too hot for everything else it was a rough summer and we had some rain yesterday thank god but the last two years here in Texas have been not good. And I remember when I first got here, all it did was rain. I was like, wow, it's raining like crazy. Because before I got here, Texas had suffered through an incredibly bad drought. And I remember seeing pictures of really bony cattle. At that time in California, it was raining like crazy. And then we came to Texas and sort of rain like crazy. And I'm like, man, we are rainmakers. But I, mu I must have lost my mojo for the last couple of years, man. It's just been very hard here in this part of the state. It's part of the country. Probably not without some hidden hand behind the manipulation of the atmosphere. Christine asks the uh, very important question. I wonder why hot hen never took off. I don't know. 
attended a 60th birthday rose celebration Sunday. That was so, so entertaining. Good. Entertaining is good. Lisa W. Hi back. Scrubbies. She's going to have to watch it. A replay. Uh, bad hip. She's going to hit the chiropractor, the bone doctor. You take care of that hip, Tamara. Hucklebuck is here. Lynn. Lots of people here have chickens. No shortages. $3 a dozen in the stores. Good to see you, Lynn. Bo is here. The kabuki one. He looks like the devil. <laughs> David has a very Mephistophelian look about him at times. I would agree with that. I wonder if CBD interferes with dream recall like full spectrum cannabis does. Nate, I don't think so. I've actually been remembering more of my dreams lately. For better or worse. And I think my dream life has actually picked up now that I'm reacquainting myself with circadian rhythms. Rocky, uh, I paid seven sixty for a dozen of eggs yesterday, but they were organic eggs, eggs, eggs. Yes. Let's see who else do we have. Katie's here. Good morning, Katie. Marianne, NYC. Marie, NYC. Hi, Mar hi, Marie. Good morning. Uh, let's see. My favorite artist that Robert Schultz, Nick Drake. Ah, uh, Nick Drake. What a talent. It was a comet that just flashed across our sky. Incandescent. Brief. Glorious. And then fading. Fading back into the blackness of space. The, that picture of Eddie Van Halen, that he looked better than he ever did when he was alive. I liked Eddie Van Halen. He had a good vibe. He was an Aquarian. He had a good vibe, didn't he? He was always happy. Eddie Van Halen always seemed happy. You know, he always seemed happy. You could tell that he loved what he did. He loved playing guitar. He was just into it. I really, I really did like Eddie Van Halen. Nate wants a flock of pigeons and a couple of chickens, but I don't think the trailer park manager would like it. And you would think that that would be de rigueur for the trailer park. And I'm not putting trailer parks down, by the way. Hey, come on up here. Are you, are you jumping in? I'm trying to get Jasper involved here today. The economy is going to start to get more local. If you have eggs in your area, then eggs will be cheap. I would agree with that. Uh, let's see. Something is free. The product is you. That's deep, Steve. That's deep. We need a community chicken coop so we can create community chicken soup. Uh, Johnny is really working the chicken crossing the road angle. 
Interesting. Kind of like Robert Johnson. Crossroads. Are you coming up here? Mm, let's see who else do we have. We still need to get the Chataria compound to get started. You're all going to regret poo-pooing the idea. I'm okay with the Chataria compound as long as we have water access. And when I mean water access, I'm talking about to the ocean. Because I'm all about an arc. Pondar is here. Um, I was a big spender and bought two, bought that baby two dozen eggs. She likes one at a time scrambled. Wow. I do enjoy a good scrambled egg. Katie says we're thinking about getting quail. Oh, that's interesting. I like a good quail egg too, especially on my sushi. Let's see who else we have. Katie's got seven kids. Katie, we're proud of you. We are proud of you. Uh, and I'm not making light, but it is a theme for today's show. That's a lot of egg production. Put to good use. Of course, Artemis has six months of eggs water glassed. By the way, you should check out her YouTube channel, um, Apocalypse Gourmet. I've, I've uh, put it up here on a link before. You want to learn how to do a lot of these survival and prep kinds of things with a little bit of style and a Turkish Mediterranean flair. You'll find it there. Wow, got nine inches of snow in the Ozarks. That sounds pretty cool. Oh, you're one of Frank's peeps. Welcome. Me, me and Frank, you know, we get along. Me, me and Frank, you know, we can communicate. We communicate uh, in the same uh, frequency, if you know what I'm saying. Let's see who else do we have. Hucklebuck dropping some some beetles. Who is the Eggman, and who is the Walrus? Gourmet Apocalypse. That is the channel, and that is the existential question: Who is the Eggman, and who is the Walrus? I think the Walrus is uh, Andy Reid coaches for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Let's uh let's dive into the topic of the day and stop yoking around. We're going to go into Wikipedia. that trusted source of information and propaganda. And we're going to take a look at Mr. Edward Bernays, born 1122, interesting day, uh, in 1891, 
Bernays lived a very long time. He lived to be 103. He passed on March 9th of 1995. Was an American theorist considered a pioneer in the field of public relations and propaganda and referred to in his obituary as the father of public relations. His best-known campaigns include a 1929 effort to promote female smoking by branding cigarettes as feminist torches of freedom, and his work for the United Fruit Company in the 1950s connected with the CIA-orchestrated overthrow of the democratically elected Guatemalan government. He worked for dozens of major American corporations, including Procter & Gamble and General Electric, and for government agencies, politicians, and nonprofit organizations. So if you read between the lines, he was a free agent for hire. Uh, his overthrow of the Guatemalan government, by the way, it became the blueprint for the playbook to overthrow governments. One of his many books, Crystallizing Public Opinion, 1923, and Propaganda, 1928, gained special attention as early efforts to define and theorize the field of public relations. So he and, and we looked at um, Ivy Ledbetter Lee earlier on a couple of weeks ago. And of the two, I would say Lee is classically more of the PR guy. You know, he creates the press release. He creates this idea of getting out in front of the news. Um, he also creates this idea that corporations need to have some level of connection with either the buying public or the workforce. Now, whether or not any of that is true doesn't really matter. It's the perception. So part of what Ivy Lee did in his public relations campaign was to humanize the oligarchs, the robber barons. That, that's what his job was. And so whether they... Uh, did it begrudgingly or kicking and screaming? Come on up here. Come on. Kicking and screaming. Um, they they being the oligarchs. If there was an accident, the, the famous one was the mining town in Colorado where uh, the Rockefellers lost a bunch of employees because of unsafe conditions. Ivy Lee made the Rockefellers go out there and show up and walk around and connect with people, right? Because he knew that public relations had to be good. And I'm not talking about good in uh, kind of a Christian moral sense, but there's no way a corporation could survive if the public perception of them was bad. So he popularized that. So he, I think Ivy Lee is probably more of the actual PR guy than Bernays. Bernays is a marketer. 
and they didn't really have this idea or definition of marketing back in the day. Uh, let's read a little more about um, Bernays. Uh, citing works of writers such as Gustav Lebon, Wilfred Trotter, Walter Lippmann, a very important figure, Walter Lippmann. Maybe we'll do a show on Lippmann one of these days. You want that? You want a show about cats. Um, and Sigmund Freud, his own double uncle, he described the masses as irrational and subject to herd instinct. And today, when I was on Ask for Weather, I talked about the moon and how the moon plays a role in public perception. And so what Bernays is investing in and banking on is this idea that the public are literally like chickens with their heads cut off. So he can lead them wherever he wants to lead them. He outlined how skilled practitioners could use crowd psychology and psychoanalysis to control them in desired ways. Bernays later synthesized many of these ideas in his post-war book, Public Relations, 1945, which outlines the science and managing of managing information released to the public by an organization in a manner most advantageous to the organization. He does this by first providing an overview of the history of public relations and then provides insight into its application. Bernays was named one of the 100 most influential Americans of the 20th century by life. He was the subject of a full-length biography by Larry Tai entitled The Father of Spin and later an award-winning 2002 documentary by uh, for the BBC by Adam Curtis called The Century of the Self. If you've never seen Century of the Self, watch it. It's one of those documentaries that is a must-see. You will learn so much from that documentary. The follow-up, I think it's called, what is it, The Trap or The Cage or something like that. It's good, but it's not Century of the Self good. Let's read a little bit more about Bernays. Uh, Bernays was born in Vienna to a Jewish family. His mother, Anna, was Sigmund Freud's sister, and his father, Eli, was the brother of Freud's wife. Martha Bernays, their grandfather, Isaac Bernays, was the chief rabbi of Hamburg and a relative of the poet Heinrich Heine, famous poet. By the way, Bernays is related fairly closely to Julius Scaliger and his father, um, Julian, just, Julian Justice Scaliger, who was buddies with Nostradamus. So we could play a six degrees of separation from Nostradamus to Bernays, and it wouldn't be that hard. Let's see. He married Dorothy Fleischman. Fleischman was a member of the Lucy Stone League, a group which encouraged women to keep their names after marriage. Boy, weren't they progressive? Later, however, she changed her mind and her name becoming Doris Bernays. By all accounts, Fleischman played a major, though quiet, role in the Bernays public relations business, including ghostwriting numerous memos and speeches and publishing a newsletter. So she was Hera to Bernays' Zeus. So let's get into some of the some of the stuff here. 
I mean, he is really so insanely and devilishly clever. Bernays used Sigmund Freud and his ideas to convince the public, among other things, that bacon and eggs was the true all-American breakfast. This is an important part of our show today. There was a time in America where bacon and eggs were not what you had at breakfast. Breakfast in America consisted of a cup of coffee or cocoa or maybe tea and usually some something that was bread related. I mean, it could just be a piece of bread with maybe some butter, maybe some jam. Uh, or it could be something a little little fancier. Uh, it could be a breakfast biscuit, right? That's kind of what America ate. That was the breakfast. The bacon and the eggs thing came later. So essentially, if memory serves me, The pork industry came to Bernays and said, we need to sell more pork. So this is where the egg comes into play. Because Bernays understands the symbolism of the egg. So he says, well, why don't we marry the egg with the bacon? So when people wake up in the morning, they'll be eating your product along with the egg. Now, the egg, when you look at the egg, especially if you're dealing with a sunny side up, which I like, I like a good sunny side up egg. What is What does that yolk look like? It looks like the sun, the source of all life. So Bernays was very smart. Like he's tying this thing into the egg as a symbol of life, that all things spring from the egg. But then you crack the egg, and then it becomes, and even if you scramble the egg, right, it's still kind of golden and light. If it's done well, it's fluffy. It, just, it matches the, the, the tone and the vibration of the morning. And let's piggyback some bacon onto that. And let's celebrate. That's exactly what he did. So the modern American breakfast is really a recipe that came out of the mind of Edward Bernays. So every time you have eggs and bacon in the morning, there's your eggs and bacon daddy, Edward Bernays. In the 1930s, his Dixie Cup campaign was designed to convince consumers that only disposable cups were sanitary by linking the imagery of an overflowing cup with subliminal images of genitalia and venereal disease. Wow. That's pretty sophisticated. You don't want to catch venereal disease by sharing glasses. Let's see. He had a bunch of political clients. Apparently worked for Calvin Coolidge. 
You had a vaudeville uh, pancake breakfast. And, of course, he has some very important nonprofit work, including the Jewish Mental Health Society, the Committee on Publicity Methods in Social Work, Friends of Danish Freedom and Democracy, uh, the Tobacco Campaign and the Freedom Torches, legendary. He got these women who were society women to uh, take part in a parade, right? I think it was the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And they were at the end of the parade, and they're all smoking. They were all radical. And he knew that the cigarette was a symbol of power because it's the phallus, right? He's pulling that right out of um, Freud's little dirty playbook. And it was scandalous. But you know what happened? Cigarette sales went up and women started smoking. Think about the power of that. You dream this scheme up. You get these society types who are already radicalized. They don't care. They have, they have plenty of money. doesn't really matter. And you stick them at the end of the, uh, I believe it was the Thanksgiving Day Parade, and um, you have them smoking these freedom torches. And then the next thing you know, women start smoking more. It's an empowerment move. And you're the guy that created that. You're the guy that thought that up. I'm going to drop an F-bomb. That's a lot of fucking power. In a certain way. Okay, let me see here. There's the United Fruit and Guatemala thing. I'm not going to get into that. I've talked about that before. Today, we're interested in eggs. Eggs, 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 eggs. So one of Bernays's other feats, which has been conveniently left out of his Wikipedia page is that he was hired, I believe by, I think it might've been General Mills. One of the companies that makes, um, you know, boxed recipes for pancakes, muffins, cupcakes, right? And they introduced the uh, the instant mix. And really, all you had to do was just add milk, water, sometimes milk, to the mix. Mix it up, pour it in the mold, stick it in the oven, pull it out, and, you know, there's your dessert or there's your muffin or whatever, right? And... They thought that, man, we're going to sell a ton of these things because it's just so easy. And then that wasn't the case. So they were mystified. Why aren't we selling more of these? We've made it easy. And they decided to hire Bernays because you know, he had a track record. So he sat down with a bunch of women, interviewed them you know, one at a time. and. Um, you talk to them about the cake mix 
and if they would use it. And they would say no. And he would ask them, well, why not? Because I would feel guilty. What would you feel guilty about? Well, I'd feel guilty about the fact that I didn't do anything. In essence, simplicity, efficiency, modernity was robbing these women of an essential function in their lives, which is to create. To do the thing from scratch. That's where that person, that woman, we'll use the word woman here, would take pride in the fact that she created that thing. So Bernays understood that the egg was a very important symbol for life and for women. So then he um, would ask them, well, what would happen if you um, cracked an egg and added an egg to the recipe? The women change their attitude. They're like, oh, well, I think that would be a good addition. And maybe they weren't really rationalizing it. Maybe they were just tapping into the egg as a symbol. But that was enough for Bernays. And he went back and said, add an egg to the, to the recipe. They're guilt, they feel guilty about not creating something. You add an egg, the egg will get them in touch subconsciously with creation and fulfilling their role. Like, okay, problem solved. Recipes probably don't even, to this day, do they really need the egg? I don't know. Does it add for fluffiness, texture? I don't know. Could you do the recipe without adding an egg? Probably. Would it taste okay if you're into that sort of thing? Probably. It might be interesting to take one recipe and do it with the egg and without the egg and see how they taste. Probably would not. Um, you're talking box recipe, right? Not something where you're reading a recipe and we got to add this, you got to add this, you got to add this. No, it's all there, right? So Bernays understood the power of the egg, which brings us to where we are today and the power of the egg and the egg shortage. If you go back and look at what was going on in first stage COVID, and I've, I've, I've talked about this before, these shortages not only are they economic, but they're highly symbolic. When you go back and look at the first stage of COVID and everybody was hoarding, what was the one thing they couldn't get? It was toilet paper. There was plenty of toilet paper, plenty of toilet paper. You had stacks of toilet paper sitting in warehouses. They weren't gonna deliver it to stores for whatever reason. COVID, fill in the blank, right? So there became a shortage of toilet paper because people didn't want to be without toilet paper if everything was shut down. So what did that do? It took people right into their first chakra, which is all about survival, put them in fear, put them in their anus, right? That's exactly what happened. That was all planned. 
all planned. We're going to, we're going to put people into a state of fear, bringing them right into the most basic and fundamental aspect of who they are. It's the first thing you learn as a human. You may learn to say your mom's name or your dad's name, but the first function that you yourself as a human learn is to control your bowels, right? That's what happens. That's what sets, that is the first process of moving away from this kind of holistic self where everything is done for you, right? You poop, somebody cleans your, your, your butt, changes your diaper, right? You eat, you laugh, you cry. It's all undifferentiated. It's just pure expression of um, biological and emotional and psychic will. That's all it is. But then there comes that point, right? Around a year, year and a half, it's like it's, you know, potty training time. And then you're basically, when that happens, you become an individuated self. Because now you're responsible for your own butt, literally. So when this happened, right, what do they do? They take, they took people all the way back, all the way back to that point in time where they first started to learn how to do that for themselves. By doing that, it reduced people to a nearly infantile state where they were dependent at that point upon what people would say what people would um, suggest, and ultimately what they would try to mandate. That was part of the plan. That was a Bernaysian tactic, right? Total Bernaysian tactic. So here we are now. We have an egg shortage. You see, we're moving up the chakras now. Now we're into the second chakra. Now we're into procreation. And the backdrop of the egg shortage is whistling past the graveyard. And what's happened to people over the last year and a half to two years as a result of participating in an experimental gene therapy. You know, we've heard plenty of stories about Women in their 60s starting to menstruate again. Children, eight, nine years old menstruating. You know, strange, strange, really strange stuff. Miscarriages, lots of miscarriages. This is all the backdrop, right? This is this is the, the subtext of the narrative for the egg crisis. It's a fertility crisis. Taking us into that area, right, where we create. All these things are symbolic. You know, we're just moving up the chakras. They reduced us to, well, not us, because if you're listening to the show, you, you probably weren't reduced. But they reduced a lot of people by stressing the fact that they're not going to have enough TP. They reduced them to an infantile state. Now, right now, this whole egg thing is pointing to something else. Well, if Mother Nature can't do it, 
maybe there's another technology that can. And as we move into Pluto and Aquarius, and we hear these uh, stories about birthing farms, right? these pods that, that you know, gestate life, just like in the Matrix. So as we see the egg story, right, and the, the, the egg is like the unus mundi of our entire experience, and now it's through the roof. If you can find it, right? There's a price to pay to have that experience. And now we're getting new stories about a new type of creation. You know, I, I, I'll share this with you. It's not an image that I really cherish in my head, but there's an image of Pete Buttigieg with one of their I don't know how they got their babies, but he actually has a synthetic kit, which has milk in it. And he's able to hold his baby up to a synthetic kit. Breasts are like eggs, right? They're like eggs and they provide life. And this is the replacement model where it's, I know it's like sick and weird and twisted, but it's part of the story now. It's really part of the story. Now, how did we get to the egg crisis? That is another part of the story. So we can see that, that this whole thing with the egg has a much deeper psychological ramification. It's sending this signal that all is not well in Camelot that the fundamental symbol of creation is scarce. And if you can find it, it's expensive. Oh, don't worry, though. We've got something else. We have something else planned. And by the way, even prior to this, like they were demonizing eggs with salmonella and all this other, you know, marketing bullshit so now they have fake eggs oh these fake eggs are better these are better just go down to the store and you know go into the refrigerated i mean i don't even know what the fake eggs have i don't even want to know right but that's another part of this too oh yeah right but we have these we have these other eggs it's the eggs it's the egg substitute it's right there Now, I can't say that this is part of the reason or the cause, but I think it's interesting to take note of the fact that tractor supply, which supplies a lot of things to people in the area that I live in. I'm staring at 50 acres right in front of me, 50 acres of a field that is uh, being prepared to grow deer corn, right? And that's just one plot of acreage. So I live in an area where tractor supply is kind of a big deal. I think it was in 2019, if I'm not mistaken, tractor supply was bought by BlackRock. Let me see if I can back that up. 
pretty sure I can. Let's see. All right, so they have, okay, here we go. Um, all right, so they were not bought, but they have some heavy duty shares in tracker supply. Does that surprise you? Uh, 20, this is from today. This is hot off the wire, kids. BlackRock Inc. has filed an SC13GA form with the Securities and Exchange Commission disclosing ownership of 10,031,508 shares of Tracker Supply Company. This represents 9.1% ownership of the company. In their previous filing dated uh, 5 BlackRock had reported owning 11 million shares. So they have a decrease, went from 12% to 9%. BlackRock has a history of taking positions in derivatives of the underlying security, TSCO in the form of stock options. The firm currently holds call options representing 126,000 of underlying shares valued at 23,422,000. So they had more of an ownership stake last year. They sold some shares, but they still own 10 million shares in uh, tracker supply. And you can see here how they've increased their previous share totals, right? So at one point, they were 13% owner. Now they're uh, now they're at minus 10%. Interesting. Now, they're not the only investors in tractor supply. Let's see how, how this breaks down. So it says they're not owned by hedge funds, but there's about 25% of the company that has serious hedge fund stakes. You know, and look, once you get a hedge fund buying into your company, uh, With, so 14% of the, of the ownership of tracker supplies by hedge funds. And this is from the NASDAQ.com. With 14% ownership, the general public, mostly comprised of individual investors, have some degree of sway over tracker supply. While this size of ownership may not be enough to sway a policy decision in their favor, they can still make a collective impact on company policies. So this is from NASDAQ.com. Whoever wrote this says, I find it very interesting to look at exactly who owns a company. 
But to truly gain insight, we need to consider other information too. For instance, we have identified two warning signs for tractor supply. One can't be ignored that you should be aware of. This is a bit of an uh, advertisement. So what could they gain by owning tractor supply? Or having decisions that could be um, really decisive on what the company does, how it performs, et cetera, et cetera. Well, let's get, let's get into chicken feed. And I'm going to see if I can pull this up here really quickly. I love the comments that come in. There's been a real issue with chicken feed. People have found out that one of the reasons why their chickens are not laying eggs is because of the feed. So a lot of people who've been uh, expecting eggs since Halloween have been uh, not very happy with the yield of said eggs, right? So some people have replaced chicken feed with goat feed. Let me play a couple of these videos here. This is all engineered, folks. It's all engineered. Here we go. So there is a debate online right now of whether or not chicken feed and what brand you're feeding your chickens is causing them to not lay as well anymore. So I want to show you something, and you can do with this information whatever you will. Everything your chicken I want you to watch gets the stored feed. in what's called their crop. There it gets broken it down so the chicken can pass it out of its body. This is another reason why grit is really important because it helps to break Still those expanding. things down. Chickens go number one and number two from the same place. So soft. I recorded that video last summer. I have been adding water and soaking my chicken feed since I got them, and they're about two years old now. The water expands the feed, it stretches it longer, you can warm it up, you can cool it down, it's easier to digest. But somewhere between summer and fall of last year, the feed quit absorbing the water. It would sit five minutes, ten minutes, and a lot of it would still be in pellet form. And I'm speaking specifically about producer pride pellets from Tractor Supply. So I quit adding water because it was pointless and I would give the pellets dry to my chickens and there would be times where they would let it sit for days and not touch it. The temperatures outside had dropped, they were molting, the feed wasn't doing what I wanted it to, so I changed the one thing I had control over and I started buying feed from a local feed store. The difference is noticeable immediately. As soon as you open the bag, because it smelled so much better, I don't know what happened to producer's pride at some point, it doesn't have a smell anymore. The one from the local feed store smells great, looks great, has a better color to it, and my birds love it. Now, I'm not saying this is a problem for everyone, and I don't know if they've changed their recipe. This is just my personal experience, because I don't know about you guys, but on this homestead and this economy, I don't have the time or the money to invest in layers that aren't laying. So yeah, if your chickens have stopped laying, what do you have to lose? Even if you spend a little bit more money on the feed that you would have to buy to replace the feed you're currently using, I'd say it's worth it if you start getting eggs again. Tractor supply. Here's another, here's another uh, chicken whisperer. I didn't want to make this video, but it's important to stay transparent 
and let everyone know that there are good times in homesteading and farming and there's bad times about a month ago i had people reaching out to me and saying jordan my hens aren't laying eggs we don't know what's going on nothing's really changed well nothing was changing for me either my hens were laying eggs every day we've got 40 of them we were getting over 30 eggs a day we just had some new hens start laying and today we got three eggs everyone has stopped laying and only those little three that just started laying laid another small egg when my hens stop laying eggs like this abruptly going from 30 to three in one day it sucks guys but here we are let's see if we got anybody else here he looks pretty earthy let's see what he has to say something is wrong with the chicken food we're buying seriously my chickens have not laid an egg since july and nothing's changed and i was thinking maybe it's because my chickens are getting older or maybe it's a bad winter but according to a lot of people on tiktok they're having the same exact problem and people are saying once they switch food their chickens are starting to lay eggs again so i'm going to switch their food and we'll see maybe something's wrong with the food and was it intentional what do you guys think let me know in the comments TikTok actually performing a uh, reasonable role here. Here's one more. Imagine warning people in nearly 30 something years of raising chickens, I have never gone without eggs, not even just one. And since before Halloween, I have not gotten a single egg until about a week ago. And I switched the feed that I was giving I no longer am feeding chicken feed. I have switched my girls to goat feed. Steel cut oats, black sunflower seeds, and goat feed. I have to say, there's something uh, something to this. If I have to put my little tinfoil hat on, it's kind of weird. So there you go. The common denominator in that story is black rock. She was getting her feed from where? Tractor Supply. Now, I really don't have time to do it, but it probably wouldn't be too much of a stretch for me to look at the supplier of the chicken feed to Tractor Supply. This would be kind of an educated bet that BlackRock has a stake in that company. So if you're um, watching this or listening to this and you are raising chickens, you may want to switch your feed. And if they're doing that to the chickens, what are they doing to us? Birth rates are going down, down, down. They're going down in Japan. They're going down in this country, right? Because according to uh, the people that quote unquote manage the planet, we're all just livestock. We're, we're, we're just a few classifications up from uh, 
egg-laying hens, really. Uh, And we're not. But according to the planet managers, um, we are. So anyway, it is the chicken. It is the chicken. It's the food that the chicken is eating. And it and it has its manifestation in the egg or lack thereof. So there you go. The chicken and the egg. With a little bit of Bernaysian backdrop. Uh, I think that's it for today's show. Thank you for being here, especially if you came over from Astro Weather. We do this uh, Tuesday through Thursday. At 9, 11 a.m., uh, the uh, show is also on Rumble. I stream simultaneously on Rumble. And what else? Um, it'll flip into a podcast. It'll be available a little bit later today. Uh, and I send that out, and it goes to all the different services. And that's about it. Chataria, thank you for being here. Great chat today. Lively, spirited, always funny. Use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart to say what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Take good care. We'll be back here tomorrow, 9, 11 a.m. Bye for now.